I want you to see Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 tonight. As we see once again one of these faith heroes that is noted for us in the book of Hebrews. It says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. He said it is by the instrument through the instrument of faith that Noah is able to obtain this testimony, this work, this accomplishment for God. I want you to see it again. It says, By Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Here is Noah, an individual who demonstrates faith that can save the family. You know, we're going to talk about Noah a little bit tonight, but I just want to say this up front. Noah is not one of those, again, that's going to see thousands and thousands come to place their faith in God. As a matter of fact, Noah's just going to win his family, if you will, to the Lord. That's basically it. And all the time that he preaches and teaches, it'll just be his family. But I want you to see how God used him to affect his family and how God spoke to him and worked through him in faith. Now, what I first noted was that this man Noah had a faith in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He had faith in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You go back to Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, it says this, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now, when you just take those two verses, Genesis 6, 8, and 9, that may not sound like a big thing. I mean, in a way it does, in a way you don't get the full picture by reading just those two verses. I mean, it says God demonstrated grace to him. He had found grace. He had found favor in the eyes of God. It says this was a man who walked with God. It was a man who was just, perfect, perhaps a better rendering complete in some sense, that God had worked in Noah's life. And here was Noah that was demonstrating faith, as we see in the book of Genesis. But put it in context. Read the verses before 8 and 9. Uh, for example, let, let's read verse 5 of Genesis 6. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now to me, when you place that background behind uh, verses 8 and 9, the faith of Noah really stands out. That means that he found favor. He found the grace of God in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. I mean, this generation was, this was a bad deal here, wasn't it? I mean, it says every intent of their heart. It means everybody you looked at outside of Noah seemed to be bent on wickedness and unrighteousness. Now look, there are many days that you and I complain probably about things in, in our culture today. Can we confess tonight? We're doing a few things out of character for us, so maybe we ought to just all stand and give confession about how we mumble 
and how we grumble and how we talk about this culture that is around us. Some of you wives, can you tell me about how many times your husbands have wanted to throw something at the television? Huh? They've heard what's going on. We often get like that. But remember this, Noah was in the midst where there was nobody else. I mean, now some of us can be like Elijah where we think nobody else is on our side, that everybody else has left us, but there's still a few believers around. You agree? I mean, people come out at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. There's got to be a believer in that bunch, right? When you got the Super Bowl going on and it raining outside and the other things, somebody's got to be a believer. So in other words, we still have people who believe in Christ. There are still those of us who are around. Here we are. We have uh, certainly a culture that seems hostile toward God, but at least we still have some people who believe in Christ and call upon his name. Noah did not have that luxury. There was nobody, nobody else. And it seemed like the whole culture was going against God. And yet it says in the midst of that generation, Noah was a just man, perfect in, his gen- perfect in that generation, and he walked with God. That says something to me. That you can stand in the midst of a perverse and wicked generation. If Noah could do it with nobody around... Certainly those of us who have faith and have friends who are of faith, we can stand also. Instead of just surrendering, instead of running the white flag of surrender up the pole, perhaps we should be reminded that Noah has shown us that by faith you can stand in that type of generation. And by faith you can be obedient. Because look, There are many times that we want to make excuses. God, look how we live and where we live. and God, what do you expect of us in this? I mean, God, what do you expect? We're living in a generation that seems to be um, adverse to you and to your will in their lives. What do you expect of us? You know what he expects? He expects obedience. He expects faith. He expects us to be able to stand And if we're going to lead our family to a place of faith, we cannot be overcome by the culture that is around us. But we must stand and be obedient. Even when it seems unnatural, irrational, God calls us to be obedient. It says that God, that this God that Noah served, warned him. Verse 7, back in Hebrews 11, it says that Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Now, basically what we see is we're told, God speaks to Noah and he says, I'm going to destroy the earth as you know it. There's going to be a flood. I want you to build an ark. And he tells him all the different uh, instructions that go with it. He tells him to build this building, uh, build this ark, this ship that basically, let me, let me see. Let me see if I got this. About 438 feet long, somewhere along in there. 73 feet wide, 44 feet high. He says, I want you to build that. Now, most likely where Noah lived at that time, there were, he wasn't on the ocean where you might would see ships or boats or anything like that. He tells him, no, you're going to build this massive ark 
here on this land. And as you've probably heard pointed out before, some people, some people would suggest that rain had not even come at this point on the face of the earth. Because there in Genesis it said that there was this mist that went up from the earth and watered everything. No rain. So if there's no rain, there's no flood. He hasn't seen a boat. He hasn't seen any of those things. He hasn't been uh, to the engineering school of Louisiana Tech. He hasn't been in all these kinds of things. And yet God comes to him and says, I need you to build this boat I've got. And back in Genesis 6, verse 22, it says, Thus Noah did. I've been on this recently. I know you've heard me say it over and over, but just the simplicity which, with which obedience is stated in the Scripture in so many ways. I mean, just how simple is that? Thus Noah did. According to all that God commanded him, so he did. Never had heard of rain or never had thought about a flood. Never really probably seen a boat. And here he begins building a boat, a massive boat on land. Now, you and I could imagine what our fellow church members would say about us in such occasions, wouldn't you? I mean, there would be a lot of good-natured ribbing at this point, questioning we could imagine what our fellow church members would say. But remember, he lives in the middle of a generation where he'll have nobody that really follows the Lord. So here he is out there by himself. Well, at least it doesn't take long, right? I mean, after 30 days of building, he's over with. He only takes 30 days of the ribbing from the people around and all that, right? Where are my Bible drillers? They're in the back. They could tell me. 120 years, 120 years he works on this project. There had to be some ridicule. There had to be some questioning. And he was doing it basically by himself. I was reading in different areas and it was talking about his son's ages that his son his sons were born basically after he had started the ark. So they weren't around to really help him. Because look, that's the reason some of us have boys, right? I mean, mine are eight and five. And I tell them every day, I cannot wait till they get just a little older so that they can mow the yard and so that they can take care of things, huh? My, my dad looked at me after we had told him we were having number four. My dad was like, son. What are you thinking? Four children? And I said, Dad, don't tell me that. I mean, y'all had, I mean, here y'all are. There were like seven of y'all, seven of in your family. He said, son, just let me tell you this. They didn't have us to have children. They had us to have extra workers at the farm and on the fields. It was their task for I don't know what you do. Kids today, they're not like what we were, he said. What in the world are you having four for? Have kids around it. He had no help. He had no help. He was just doing it. And it's by faith. He being warned. It says in Hebrews eleven seven. It it says that he did this with godly fear. 
There was a certain type of reverence he had, actually. A certain type of awe. He stood in awe of God, and somehow he accomplished what God would have for him. It was a faith in the midst of a crooked generation. It was a faith that God could see. When all the other darkness surrounded the planet, there was one who found favor in the eyes of God. It was faith in the midst of a crooked generation. And as I touched on a moment ago, think about this Noah, the ridicule that he went through, and the success, or at least the lack of success, by worldly standards, he achieved. 120 years, Noah was serving the Lord. 120 years, uh, as Peter uh, really describes his role, calls him a preacher of righteousness. So he preaches 120 years. And twice in Peter's letters, it speaks to how there are only eight souls saved, including Noah. Eight souls, seven others, in 120 years. Well, we wouldn't have him speaking at the Louisiana Baptist Convention or the Southern Baptist Convention, would we? To be quite honest, it doesn't seem that he achieves success by what our worldly standards are. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe it's important to try to reach every person that you can. Numbers are important because there's souls behind everyone. But don't ever forget, faithfulness is not judged simply by a number or judged by some type of um, response. God wants us to be faithful wherever we are, and he takes care of the rest. 120 years, Noah preaches is a preacher of righteousness. And eight souls, including himself, are saved. It was a faith in the midst of a crooked generation, but it was a faith that was there for a coming generation. Because he says, for saving, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world. In other words, here he was speaking, giving every opportunity that could be given for people to experience salvation. But in the end, you only had the family. Now, he might not have been judged. He might not have been judged successfully by the world standards today. But the writer of Hebrews, and I believe God himself, judged Noah's life as a success. He saved his family. How many of us in this place would consider our lives successful if we simply saw our families saved? Not to say we don't care for other people. Not to say that whatsoever. Noah cared for other people. I believe he was a preacher of righteousness. But in the end, what is it that everybody else has gained and we lose our own families? It's so hard to lead the family, though, especially in the culture in which we live today. It's so hard with all the things that are coming at our families, our children, our grandchildren. 
I agree with you, it's difficult. But again, I say that if Noah can demonstrate faith in the midst of this generation that he was living in, a faith that will save his family, so can we. Don't so easily give up. Don't so easily give up on your family. But believe that salvation can come. I went back and I read a little bit about his family. And of course, after the flood, there were some issues. Even one of his sons had issues. Many of you have read the account. You remember those things. And I got to looking back and I got to kind of considering things. You know, here is Noah who is held up as one who demonstrated faith and his family came along and they were saved. And certainly they were physically saved. And I believe that there was a salvation of faith that was demonstrated to them that they could hang on to, if you will. But it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be moments when the families or some have some more issues. Even the great faith of Noah didn't guarantee that there wouldn't be issues in the family. Didn't guarantee that one of the sons might not have some things happen in their lives. You know, I've been in church life long enough now to know that sometimes you can have great parents, people of faith, and you can have children born in the same household, live in the same household, and every now and then still see difficulty come. See children going their own way. We shouldn't give up. Shouldn't stop praying. We shouldn't all of a sudden believe it's simply um, part of our uh, part of our failure. We just should simply demonstrate faith continually. Demonstrate faith. Well, I've heard it all my life. If you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he'll not depart thereof. He'll not depart from it. I've heard that, Brother Reggie, and yet I did that with my children. They came up, and one of them, he's just gone off. He's, he's doing his own thing. Let me remind you that that is a proverb, not a promise. It is a general truth that is given in the Proverbs. And it is basically true, right? If you'll train up a child in the way it should go, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. It doesn't mean, again, that you won't have issues. Ask Noah. Noah had demonstrated faith. And there was a son that went away. But I believe that as we continue to demonstrate faith in our lives, we can see the faith, the salvation even of our families. It says that even Noah became an heir of righteousness. An heir of righteousness. In other words... Here he was experiencing righteousness over in the Old Testament period. Something that most of us talk about in the New Testament period. (laughs) Today, I can tell you, I stand here in righteousness. And it's not because of my goodness, okay? It's not because of my right doing. 
Why can I say I stand here in righteousness today according to the book of Romans? It is because Christ has imputed his righteousness to me. He has given me his righteousness. When I stand before the Father one day, it will not be in my own righteousness, which is nothing more than filthy rags. I will stand before the Father one day clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And get this. It says here, Noah. Noah, Noah, who was born many, many years before Christ's sacrifice. Noah, who probably did not know exactly what the Messiah would look like or how the Messiah would proclaim the message of the gospel. Noah became an heir of righteousness because even in this generation, even in this moment, he demonstrated faith, which has always been the way to righteousness. He demonstrated faith and trust in the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He demonstrated it, and it worked itself out into obedience. Reminds me of James. It wasn't just a dead faith that did not accomplish things. It was a living faith that demonstrated itself by works. Noah had a testimony of faith. It was a faith in a crooked generation, but it was a faith that could save the family. And I want to say to us tonight, perhaps more than any other characters we read in Hebrews 11, perhaps more than any of the rest of them, this one should speak to so many of us. Because we may never stand and be the great evangelists and great crusaders. and We may not be. But every one of us has an opportunity to make a difference in our family. We may not be people, we may not be the Billy Grahams that draw in thousands. But oh, if we could only draw in a few of our families to see them know Christ and to see faith in their lives. Say Noah was the faith for his generation, faith in the midst of a perverse generation. It is a faith for a coming generation whether it's his children or children's children, or guess what? Even in the 21st century, it is a faith that we still recall. And may we be that people of faith. May we demonstrate that to our family. May we demonstrate it to our communities. May we be a people of faith.